Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive, who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Yo, what's good? What's happening, Rush Nation? We're back. Welcome to episode 70 of Five Yard College. That intro is still really difficult for me to do. I'm still still five yard rushing, but I'm definitely very much here, Five Yard College involved. For those of you that are joining us Wednesday morning on the, I guess, the breakfast show, you know, we're competing with Good Morning. Uh, I don't even know who what, who does breakfast TV in England anymore, but we're, we're out. It's eight o'clock. If you're listening to audio, Tuesday night, welcome. If you're listening to The Breakfast Show, you can see there's three of us. And there's me and there's no Ash because, once again, Ash has been unfortunately called away on business this week. He's had to go to Middle England to do something helicopter-related and he didn't get to fly there in a helicopter. He had to go by car. And for those of you who listen to the pod, you'll know that Ash is from the West Country, down south. So that's quite a journey up to Middle England in a car. I don't envy him but he's not here. And I thought, okay, Jord, veteran now of the college pod, he's coming on. And then a few weeks ago, Jack, our Big Ten writer, expressed an interest, but then his missus was out at a gig. He was on baby duty, couldn't make it. And the man that Jord is said, Jack, I can do this, but you step up, you have a go. And then I said, well, let's roll three ways. And here we are. I'm joined by Jack and Jord. George, welcome back, man. Thanks for stepping up. Decent t-shirt, nice hat game. How are you doing, fella? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me again. Um, it's always a pleasure. And um, yeah, I thought, obviously, like I said, I threw out to Jack because we've got one, two, three in the fantasy football, haven't we, in the college challenge. But And I said off air that I wouldn't, we don't want to talk about it. I'm the <laughs> one who's brought it up straight away. <laughs> so, I mean, we might as well peel back the curtain there. George didn't want to talk about it because I beat him in a narrow victory this week to... 
continue his topple from the top. Um, and and you you rightly bring up fantasy football because we've got possibly the best player in the showdown in total. Jack is the best college fantasy football player I've come across, and I basically stole the crown last year in the final. Jack, I did. I mean, I would love to say I felt terrible about that, but I didn't. Welcome to Five Yard College, man. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Yeah, good, good. So excited to to join and. Um... Yeah, I'd love to say that that it was all it's all skill on the fantasy side, but uh, I basically steal John Lobb's work every week. Uh, listen to his podcast, that follow his stuff, but um, I have loved doing college fantasy football the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, really excited to join you guys. And I thought with Ash away, you need somebody to drown out the Pac-12 chat from George. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully I'll do Ash proud. Well, no doubt, no doubt. The fact that you've even brought that up is already making Ash smile, I can tell. <laughs> George, you know, we we talked Pac-12 when you were last on, and I thought we'd be talking more Pac-12 today, but it appears that the Big Ten is taken right over and the Pac-12 is swallowed up once again. No, we are definitely going to talk some Pac-12 today because there's there's some uh, some ramifications, shall we say, from the Pac-12 from last weekend and this weekend coming up. And we should, I'm just going to throw it out there right now, George. How do you feel about BYU being represented in the Pac-12 final. It's not going to happen, but they should be because they've got the best Pac-12 conference record against anyone. You know, five Pac-12 wins now. Surely they should be there in the championship game. Well, yeah, if they, if they, if they were in the conference, <laughs> they would be, wouldn't they? It's, um, every week they go up against a Pac-12 team. I'm thinking, oh, come on, you know, just let's have one win. And I think um, I think they've got a couple, like obviously they're going to have a winning record against Pac-12 anyway. I think they've got a couple more up on the schedule still. Sure, they've got definitely got Utah. There might be a, another one if I if I can remember, but it could be six and zero at the end against Pac twelve, could not they? Really, and that, that, <laughs> for a uh, for for an independent and, and a Pac twelve that's dotted around performance wise, they've they've stood out. And I mean, it, I think it'd be nice to see if they if they faced Oregon in in the Pac twelve championship game. And but you know, we've we got to get there first. Um, Jack, we'll get to some Big Ten news. Uh, in a little bit, but next week, this is obviously a midweek pod now. There's some huge matchups in the Big Ten coming up, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I'm struggling to put uh, Michigan, Michigan State as my game of the week just uh, from my Ohio State bias, but uh, I just can't wait. If you've read any of the, the previews or reviews, I've been going on about it for, for at least three weeks now with the potential of this um, undefeated clash. Uh, yeah, really excited for that one. and and. Looking at the slate today, there's every game in the Big Ten this coming week nine is is a coin 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 flip game. You've got yeah. uh, you haven't got any outright like runaway leaders in any of those matches. And uh, well, yeah, no, well, well hold up, good. hold up. I think you're being a little bit unfanboy here. Surely Ohio State <laughs> are going to blast Penn State's doors in. Yeah, but we might have some Nittany Lion fans listening. That's not, uh, I don't want to distance myself from them. <laughs> <laughs> so we've, uh, we're what, what, five minutes in and we've already realised that Jack is Switzerland at Five Yard College. That's, uh, <laughs> that's where we're sitting with this. Right, boys, let's do some news. Let's start, I mean, this is old news now under the Nick Rolovich news, but he's, uh, his time in Washington State has come to an end. And uh, as we expected, Fired early last week, although it might not be the end of the story as his lawyer has come out to say the firing was unjust, unlawful, and they will be taking lead action against the school. I mean, the fact that Washington State is a state-run school and the state policy was that 
all state workers have to be vaccinated. You know, George, we talked about this. It, surely this is done and dusted, right? And it's just a case of, unfortunately, you work for the state. George, what do you reckon? It's exactly that. And I just can't see, like, obviously, the lawyer, his lawyer seems to think he might have a case, but I just, I can't see. I'm not, I'm not glued up on the um, religious side of it and what, what you can, what, what, obviously, you can, like, say that your reasons are for it. But if they're the rules of the state, the rules of the state so I can't see how that stands up in court to be honest with you but hey ho you know we've seen weird things happen before so but I'd be very surprised if anything comes of this and he gets any compensation or anything like that yeah it, it would be an unusual outcome I think considering the statewide mandate Jack have you got anything else to add to that yeah I, I think it's interesting that he Rolovich himself hasn't kind of put out any of the details he didn't even want the news out that he was applying for a religious exemption has come from elsewhere. So um, it's really interesting. He's he's kind of kept it private, but has been forced for it to be public because everyone's asking him about it. And yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, I don't see I don't see anything happening with it. But um, yeah, it's sad to see really, and and almost out of everybody's control at the school. Yeah, and the thing for me is it's not just, you know, Nick Rodovich has obviously been has been let go, but it's just the ramifications of the drip-down effect on the, the coaches that have also left because of it. And you've got the players who are playing this year. You know, they, they, they played well against BYU, but didn't obviously BYU were the better team on the day. And then you've got the commits in for next year and the year after who potentially were thinking Washington State would be the school that Nick Rolovich is there and maybe he's the reason they're going. And now all of a sudden he's not there. Some of the coaching tree isn't there. Is there going to be a load of decommits or were they there for the school, not the coach? I've seen a few people, I've heard a few people say that, you know, you, you've got to go for the school, not the coach, because this exact thing could happen. So for some of these players, it, it could be a an absolute game changer, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like you say, you, you you do have to go for the school, not the coach, because this can happen. Uh, your coach can get fired or your coach can get another job elsewhere if they're doing really well. And, you know, you're, you're not you're not tied to that coach. They can't necessarily take you with them. Um, but having said that, that's not the way it works. Players do go for a coach. They go for, a, you know, the relationship they've built and the promises that have been made. So uh, you hope that this doesn't affect uh, Washington State too badly. Um, but you just we just don't know what's going on in the heads. You've got to remember these players are, are just kids, really. They're, they've got uh, so much to consider and, and their future is on the line. Yeah, and we keep, it keeps harking back to the NIL deal. I mean, some of this stuff they could have had potentially in place for their next seasons in Washington State. Um, for the NIL deal and now that could be jeopardised as well because perhaps they may not be going or they may not get the game time because Rolovich isn't there. There's there's so much that's trickled down from this and it'll be interesting to see if anything else comes of it. But let's move on to the AAC have announced they're adding six former Conference USA schools. The schools joining are Charlotte, Florida Atlantic, North Texas Rice, UAB and UTSA. The earliest this is likely to happen will be 2023 but a date is yet to be announced. George, what do you make of all of this? I think we're just still seeing ripple effects, you know, from obviously when the Oklahoma and um, Texas are joining the SEC and like obviously we'll get to news further on with the same ripple effects, you know. I'm 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 not too sure where I stand on it. Like obviously it's a lot of teams 
in in the conference now over there. So uh, it's um, it could it could be good, it could be bad. I'm like, I'm I'm kind of like on the fence, I suppose a bit. It'd be see what happens going forward. But it, like I said, it's people making moves. It would be interesting to see if these moves would have happened if if obviously Oklahoma and Texas won't join the SEC. Would would people still be making these moves, or is it is it because of what's happened going on and everyone's trying to look after themselves? You know, obviously with the talk early on in the season with Pac-12. Uh, Big 12 and AAC like having that like unwritten um, contract saying that they'll play more games against each other you know everyone's just seemed to be reacting and like I said obviously there's more news further on with another conference that seemed to have uh, snapped up some more teams yeah I think I think you hit the nail on the head with the the whole thing is one giant Jenga piece and as soon as one bit moves everything else rotates to fit back into place almost. And uh, we, well, Jack, we might as well move on to the Conference USA news. They're also losing Southern Miss, who are joining the Sun Belt in 2023. Old Dominion and Marshall, as well as an FCS school, James Madison, have also been invited to join the Sun Belt. With all the leavers and potential leaves of Conference USA, they're in disarray. Only five programs remaining. Surely this could well be it for Conference USA. Yeah, it, it really could be, uh, and it's a it's a classic case of follow the money. I think the the Sun Belt has always been uh, a lot of fun, and it's gained a lot of attention in the last couple of years. The Sun Belt is the fun belt, and <laughs> uh, you can't blame teams for wanting to join it. And I think Conference USA, uh, this isn't the first time teams have left, and but this could be the final time. It, it, be a sh- it would be a shame. It would be a shame to lose Conference USA as a total, but I think you're right. Then people follow the money, and when something opens up, as if you know, big uh, the Big Twelve losing two of the best teams to the SEC, money moves around there because money follows the names, and it's just it's all a huge waterfall effect. And let's, uh, it, yeah, I, I don't think we've seen the end of this whole manoeuvring situation either. I think there's more to come as well. Which, which would be uh, interesting, to say the least, in a perhaps cold and dark off-season moment that we may well get it in. Right, as I threw the duck show, show doc out to the chaps, Jord immediately came back and said, we've got to talk Penn State overtime. We were definitely going to talk it anyway, but Jord wanted it in the show doc. I suppose we should go to our Big Ten guy, Jack. You know, the Penn State lost in overtime to Illinois, and I think it was at the ninth overtime, something like that. It was, It was ridiculous. I think... What we'll get to Jordan in a minute because he's obviously frustrated. You can see it in his face on the video. <laughs> I I wasn't a massive fan of it because not only was it single plays from the two yard line, I don't know why Illinois didn't run the football when they had absolutely gashed Penn State for the whole game. It didn't need to go that many overtimes. Illinois could have won it. The first, what, 10? There wasn't a score. They were all failed attempts. And the fact that they moved up and down the field to swap end zones to do it just made the whole thing laborious. Jack, am I on the right line here or am I well well wrong? No, you absolutely are. It's uh, it's a privilege to have college football on mainstream TV in the UK, but it really didn't feel like it watching <laughs> this game. And that's not just the overtime. The whole game was, uh, was rather challenging to keep paying attention to, but... Um, yeah, this, these overtime rules came in to shorten the game and uh, try and avoid some serious injuries that, that have occurred in overtime, in long overtime games. And uh, we got a couple of, not I don't know the seriousness of the injuries, but a couple of key players got injured and the game just lasted forever. 
And uh, you're right. Ch I mean, Chase Brown was having another career day, and then Illinois just went away from him, and yeah. it made it made no sense to me. Um, I just wanted him to run it in and and end the misery that we were all <laughs> enduring. And it's frustrating because we should be talking about a great result for Illinois. I mean, beating a ranked Penn State team in a year where they, the Fighting Illinois, have have. I mean, they've been pretty dire since week zero and they've got a massive result, but no one's talking about that. Everyone's talking about overtime and, and the... Yeah, I think for me, the one thing I watched, I, funnily enough, I was working Sunday and I had a stupid early start, so I didn't catch the overtime until Pitsy put in the group chat that the overtime was, they were having some sort of penalty shootout. So I had to flick it back on because I thought, what am I missing? And it turns out I wasn't really missing anything and I should have stayed no. in bed. <laughs> but I just what it did was for this weekend we all knew that Ohio State were going were gonna to beat Penn State but all it said to me that whole game was just give Travion Henderson the ball and watch him decimate Penn State that's all they've got to do surely that is all Ohio State have got to do we'll get to that in a bit George I've let you sit there long enough talk me through it mate what was wrong with it First of all, I think, like, I will say Jack's spot on. That's why they brought it in, obviously, to, to stop the injuries, not stop it dragging out and stuff, which is a, it's a fair fair reason to bring it in. But, and like you said, Stocks, why are they going to each end? You know, before I start, I'm a calm guy. I'm, I'm a really calm guy. <laughs> really infuriated me. Why are they going over to each end, you know, like, back and forth? That killed the time. And... It's just like I'd rather, I'd, to be honest with you, I'd rather watch um go for fifty-five yard field goals attempts constantly. <laughs> At least one of them's probably going to go in. But this was just so tedious and just like, it, like I said, there were two things that probably made it worse for me. First off, they weren't even scoring, so it wasn't even exciting in that way. They were just, it was just failed attempt after fail attempt after fail attempt. Yeah, walking up to the other side, failed attempt. And the other thing was, you know, I love me Pac-12. Oregon, UCLA were on a half eight. <laughs> I couldn't find anywhere else. So I had to miss a quarter of that watching these. So that probably made it a lot worse than it was as well. Having to miss a quarter of like my Pac 12 conference. So that didn't help. And I was just on the couch muttering to my wife how why can't one of them score? This is this is this is terrible. Like I'll, I'll stop now before I go on and spoil the show. But yeah, no, no, you know, this is this is why we're here. We're spitballing three ways. I mean, I. I think a better thing to watch would be to see field goals from a, an ascending distance based on your kicking ability as a player. So you have like linemen taking 10-yard ones and then <laughs> moving back because that would be over quickly because you just have miss, miss, miss until your kicker's made it and someone fluked one. That would be, you'd have punters perhaps making one. Or you do, I think I'm right in saying that the, the high school rules are you both get uh, four plays from the 10-yard line and field goals count. So you both get a, a go at it and the team with the most points after the two takes it away and it's it's two play, two series and that's it, done. Um, I think that's probably a more realistic option that could be done, but we'll, 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 we'll wait and see. There's There's been some recruitment news, boys. How have your recruiting glasses looked upon the season so far or is this, is this going to be short, sharp and sweet? I think... Um... I'm, I'm obviously Jack might know more than me, but I leave I leave this stuff up to Ash. Ash is number one. I, I'll just wait until they come into college and watch them from there. Ash is number one when it comes to recruiting at high school. 
Yeah, he's um, Jack. Have you any idea on this, or is this Ash's territory and he's thrown this in as a curveball? Well, it's definitely Ash's territory. But one of one of the names is is is, uh, is Zach Grice, and uh, personally, very very sad to see him not commit to to the Buckeyes. Um, very good recruit for um, North Carolina, um, but yeah, beyond uh, beyond the Buckeyes. My recruiting knowledge is uh, is stretched in. Um, I stretch my my sporting realms across very many sports and very many teams. I think diving into recruiting high school uh, athletes is uh, well. I wouldn't have time for anything else, and my wife would not be happy. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. I feel you. So, Ash, thanks very much, mate. Appreciate this. This is going to be a headline moment. We might as well start with Zach Rice, as Jack mentioned him. 2022 number 13 overall recruit and third-ranked offensive tackle Zach Rice has committed to North Carolina, as Jack said, over the likes of Bama, Ohio State and Notre Dame. Rice is the first five-star recruit to UNC for this class, but they do have eight four-star recruits already committed for 2022. Uh, Let's go to the first one. Jack threw me over there by moving the order. Cheers, mate. Uh, 2022 number one wide receiver Luther Burden has picked Missouri as his new school after decommitting from Oklahoma in August. Uh, before we move on, do you think he would have stayed committed to Oklahoma had Caleb Williams been the starter? Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Like obviously, like you like you put there, and he's committed to his hometown. Like I'm, I'm not sure the reasons and stuff. If that's the reason, fantastic for Missouri. But I've seen quite a bit of Missouri this year, and it's going to take a lot for number than a number one wide <laughs> receiver to help him. To be honest with you, but fantastic for them, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, as George said, he he is staying in Missouri. He becomes only the fourth five-star recruit to join Missouri in the modern recruiting era. So this is how much of a coup it is for Missouri. The previous three were Sheldon Richardson, Doriel Green Beckham and Terry Beckner Jr. And then finally, 2022 four-star defensive tackle Bear Alexander. That is a great name for a defensive tackle. Bear Alexander has decided to stick with Georgia. After all, Alexander decommitted from the Bulldogs earlier this year and visited Texas A&M, Bama and Miami before recommitting to the Bulldogs because he has seen that Georgia are a NFL-level defensive team. So why not go and play for the best team? Right, let's run through some AP rankings quickly. Normally, we go back to front five each. Let's do that anyway. I'm going to start 25 BYU, 24 Coastal Carolina, UTSA, 8-0 and o at 23 feels slightly harsh, considering they have won all eight games yet to have a bye. Iowa State at 22, and San Diego State at 21, moving up a place. Iowa State are in, and BYU are in after not being in last week. Boys, Jord, start with you. Any of those five you feel should be there, should be higher, should be lower? No, um, well, there's just one one point that like, I've touched on with them. Iowa State have done well just to bounce back after a... After a, a bad start early on, you didn't think um, they'd be able to get back in there and claw their way back in, but they've had some good win. Obviously, the, the win over uh, Mumbai and um, Oklahoma State, I think it was this weekend, wasn't it? Yep. And uh, that's that's probably propelled them back in. But BYU, is, I think they've given the 25 for, like you said, aren't they, for beating all the Pac-12 opposition? <laughs> good Pac-12 opposition, a couple of them as well. Yeah, absolutely. Go on then, George, you can take the next five. So at number 20, we've got Penn State, 19, SMU, stay unbeaten, um, 18, Auburn, 17, 
We've got Pitt, who had a good win against, well, I say a good win against Clemson. I think anyone can beat Clemson at the moment. <laughs> 16 and 16, we've got Baylor at 6 and 1, who were having a good season. And Jack, any of those five you feel should be in around or anywhere else? Uh, I'm liking Baylor at 16, maybe a couple of spots higher they could be, um, but, you know, they're, they're on a bye, so you, you suffer when you're on a bye, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, I was just going to say, with, with UTSA at 23, I, I love the Roadrunners there. I, again, could be could be higher up the rankings. Um, I'm really worried that they're going to suffer from a bye week this week and be bounced straight back out of the rankings, but um, they're definitely one to watch. Uh, if anyone caught their, their game against Western Kentucky a couple of weeks ago, uh, if you didn't, go and watch it. It was fantastic to watch. I think their next game after the bye is against UTEP, right, who have only lost uh, one as well. So yeah. That would be that would be some game. Obviously, Tanner Mordecai, my man, still smashing it with SMU. Their, their schedule is, is pretty soft until they get a huge match-up with Cincinnati in a couple of weeks. So that, that could be a massive game for both teams we just doing my counting here we uh you got to Baylor Oklahoma State are at 15 Texas A&M are at 14 Wake Forest still undefeated at 13 and um Kentucky at 12 and then I guess I'm doing Notre Dame at 11 as well that makes five I got lost apologies I want to I want to talk about Wake Forest being at 13-7-0, undefeated. Massive game against Army. Army pushed them all the way, basically, until the fourth quarter, where they stretched out to a two-possession lead. Do we think that Wake should be above Kentucky? Although Kentucky have got some big wins, at what point does a big win become bigger than an undefeated number, Jack? Well, that's tough. Maybe in maybe in one or two more games for Wake Forest, they've got um, they certainly looked impressive. They uh, won. Well, I, I can't believe Army scored as many points as they did. <laughs> to be honest, but um, Wake Forest won in a new way uh, without the ball for much of the game, which you expect against Army, but not quite uh, to this extent. Um, Kentucky have played and lost to the best team in college football right now uh, i think you can you can allow them to be to be up there for a bit longer um there's some more teams further up that are, that have a loss that are still above you know undefeated teams and um i think a loss to georgia is uh, comes with an asterisk as a loss uh, in my opinion <laughs> at like the a moment. half like a half loss yeah yeah. George, I mean, you mentioned earlier beating Clemson. All you have to do to beat Clemson is score more than 20 points. They haven't scored more than 20 points in regulation this season. doesn't look like they're going to do it for the rest of the season either unless something severe changes. That That's how you beat Clemson. I mentioned it in the ACC preview last week. People were writing Pitt off, and I don't know how you write Pitt off with Kenny Pickett at the moment. The way he's throwing the football, he can score three touchdowns, and they scored enough points to beat Clemson. It is, I say it's that simple because their defence is still outstandingly good. But if you're playing as well as Kenny Pickett did, then, yeah, that's how you beat Clemson. Um, George, the next five, if you will. So, we've got number 10. Oh, yeah, I think I've started 10. All they miss at 10. Nine, <laughs> Iowa. Eight, Michigan State. Still unbeaten, surprisingly, for, for me personally. Um, seven, we've got one of my packs. The only Pac-12 representative still staying up there. Six and one, Oregon. And obviously the other Michigan, 
Harbors, uh, Michigan, 7-0 and at number six. So th- this is the point where we should let the Pac-12 have its moment in the sun before we annihilate it with the two Big Ten teams around it. George, Oregon at seven. Fair, unfair, just. You know, good win against UCLA. They went in as underdogs, which surprised me somewhat, considering they were Oregon. Although UCLA were, have been playing well. Where do you stand on Oregon at seven right now? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, th- I think, like, like some people might say it's biased, but I think it's fair. Like, obviously, you've got Michigan State up there at seven and all that you could argue above them, but Oregon have still got a win over Ohio State. I know Ohio State have come back, and if they played each other now, it might be a big, a different story. But on on stats, they've got the win over Ohio State, haven't they? And so, for me, that the the loss against Stanford has obviously pushed them down. You could argue that could push them down further. But Stanford are <laughs> Stanford are a bad team. They're not. They want to have a good Pac-12 teams. So, yeah, it might be my, my might be in a bit biased, but I, I think it's I think it's fair. The only argument maybe is that Michigan State over them, but yeah, I think it's fair. But it's just touching on the on the rankings. I think I said last time I'm on. I'm still like obviously everyone. It's different opinions in it, I suppose. But like, look, Texas A&M at fourteen, they've got two losses on the year, but obviously that massive winning at Alabama has propelled them up. So it's like you mentioned with Jack Hat, where, where, where do we stand on, on the big wins and the big losses? It's, it's for me, like I, I, it's a big win against Alabama, but I'd still have Texas A&M probably a bit further down, like below Baylor and Pitt and things like that. Me just can always have one of them wins. Alabama are the same team as we thought they would have been at the start of the season to it as well. Before we unleash you on the big 10, Jack, <laughs> do do we think oh, my train of thought, Jack? Go Big Ten. I've lost my thought. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I think on the on the Oregon uh, ranking, I think uh, they can feel a bit hard done by in the fact that they're lower than Ohio State based on that head to head. But it it goes to show if you're going to lose, lose early, lose mm-hmm. in the first two three weeks because. The AP poll shows that you know people will see you improve, and and that's what people want to see. Um, like you say, Stanford are not a bad team, and Ohio State at the beginning of the season were a bad. Well, they weren't a bad team, but you know Oregon deserved their win, but Ohio State weren't playing well, and so yeah, I'd, I wouldn't drop. Uh, I wouldn't drop Oregon yet. I think um, Michigan State have uh, that they have a tough running. They're, we're going to see how good Michigan State really are. And I'm really excited for them. And it's great to see uh, them back to, to national prominence. It's been a while. Um, they've always been in the shadows nationally, but in the Big Ten as well. I mean, even in, in their own state, they you know they play second fiddle to Michigan, don't they? Um, and I, I just, I can't wax lyrical enough about Kenneth Walker and, and this Spartans running game. He, uh, you know, he made school histories, breaking school records with longest play from longest play in school history is uh, really showing that his transfer was was the right decision. Um, And conversely, Wake Forest aren't suffering either. So it looks like um, both both schools are benefiting from that that transfer. Absolutely. Win-win. I've remembered what I was going to say. With this AP rankings and stuff, obviously the playoff rankings are out in a couple of weeks, one or two more weeks' time. Do these AP rankings, are they just sort of a bit of show at the moment, really, until the playoff rankings come out? Or are they more important than I'm making out, Jack? Ooh. 
Well, we'll see on that first playoff rankings. I think teams like Michigan State and Michigan and Cincinnati, who will come on to, they need these AP polls. They need the recognition now um, because of strength of schedule in Cincinnati's case in and, and probably Michigan State. Uh, and uh, maybe style points when it comes to Michigan. Um, so I think they are a lot of, you know, it's all we've got to talk about. So that's why they, that's why they are important, and we love them until the playoff <laughs> rankings yeah. come out, and then they just get forgotten about, and we don't really, we don't really listen to what other coaches have to say about the rankings. Yeah, I think, and you were right about when you said lose early because obviously the teams who started in the AP rankings at the start of the season they get that added shine to their to their sort of look when they lose one or they bounce back from the losses it like Ohio State have done. So you know their early preseason ranking has been really well, I guess not adjusted, but has shined nicely on them when they did get that loss to Oregon, and then you know they've absolutely turned the Jets on and are just smoking people which I saw a picture of their wide receiver bench being <laughs> talked and it's like just five stars I think there's four five stars and a four star in their wide receiver bench at the moment you think it's just how's that fair how do you and then you you add in Traven Henderson as well and it's like uh this is try and stop this lot at your peril and their defense has got better as well I mean Jack run us through the final five and then we can talk some Buckeyes yeah so so at five you've got Ohio State and just above them, Oklahoma at four, still unbeaten, um, looking looking better in the last few weeks. Uh, Alabama slipped back up to, to third with Cincinnati at two and uh, the formidable Georgia at number one. I like I like how you said slipped back up to third. There. Can you can you slip <laughs> uphill? I mean, it's very difficult to do, but they, they have done exactly that. They're back at three. With Cincinnati's, I guess, dull win at the weekend, that's done their playoff rankings. Um, a playoff poll ranking, should we say, in a couple of weeks' time. No favours at all, has it? Because of they needed to to annihilate the rest of the competition for the year coming. And that that SMU game is is now going to be... If SMU keep winning, that Cincinnati SMU game is going to be huge for them for the playoff rankings. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if you're a group of five team and you want to be... Uh, you have playoff aspirations, you can't give people reasons to question you. And unfortunately, that's what uh, this game against Navy has has done. People are are questioning how good Cincinnati are now. Like you say, they've got a game against SMU uh, to really uh, show what they're what they're about, and they you know could put that right in their very next game. They could blow out. I'm not sure who they've got up next, but they could absolutely blow out their next opponent, and uh, this will be forgotten. But uh, I think the neutral fans all want Cincinnati to win and do well and be in the playoffs. I, I, I'm assuming uh, that's how I feel. I think it's a very British thing to want the underdog. Um, I, I, I think you're right in the fact that, I, but I don't think it's just neutral fans. I think it is college football fans as a whole would like to see some sort of shake up with Cincy making the playoffs. I think it would do wonders for the sport. And mm. it would also, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, do everybody who is essentially chasing money the world of good when it comes to exposure and stuff in the college playoffs. So as the money is moving around, if you can be a group of five team and get into the playoffs, especially if there's an expansion, then it's only good things the whole way around. So if, 
if since he do win out and they do win out well and they get left out, I I, I genuinely think there could be some form of rioting somewhere <laughs> in in the football landscape because it would just be bananas. It would absolutely be bananas. And then you mentioned Jack that Oklahoma uh, have looked better, but then they really struggled this week in the first half. And Caleb Williams, it took a monumental stripping of Kennedy Brooks for them to get the job done. So uh, <laughs> it did, it did, and I think. <laughs> For Cincinnati to miss out, if they if Cincinnati win out, it will take Oklahoma going unbeaten and Ohio State remaining unbeaten from here on in uh, for them to miss out, and and that would be that would be a shame, and it would be it would be tough to take. Um, but yes, Oklahoma. Okay, yeah, maybe I should correct my previous statement. They looked good against Texas in the second half, and then Caleb Williams is a lot of fun. And he's got fans interested again and, and on board. Um, a bit of controversy around his his rip of the ball play uh, was Kennedy Brooks stopped. Should should the player be called off? But no, uh, it was fine. It counted. <laughs> Sorry, George. <laughs> no, I was just saying there's an interesting fact for the Cincinnati and um, Oklahoma game this weekend. I think they were about on, on the spread. I think they were like seventy points, like favoured. You know, like joined together. I think they ended up winning by about 18 points, you know, like between them both. So if you were covering with them two, obviously you, you wouldn't have won any Ackers this weekend. Yeah, but Oklahoma covering have been absolutely dreadful this year. Absolutely dreadful. Um, here's a question then, talking on the rankings. You said if, what about if Michigan stay unbeaten and they beat Ohio State, Penn State, and they've got the uh, Michigan State Spartans this weekend? Do do you think they push Cincy out? If they stay unbeaten, I think um, I, I think it's how Cincinnati win from here on and out. They've got to, like you, you mentioned, the SMU game. That's a big game, but they've got to win impressively. I think, like if yeah. for for things, if to not worry about things behind them. If they win impressively in all the games, I don't think they have to worry what's behind them, and I think they'll be in. But if they're winning games like they did this weekend, then obviously, like, like you mentioned, Michigan win out. If Oklahoma win out, if um, Ohio State, like I'm not sure, like if they like you said, probably play each other, but even the teams behind if Oregon, like win out impressively. This, these are these are the things you, you can't, I suppose, you can't worry what's going on behind you. All Cincinnati yeah. have to do is if they win impressively, and surely, like you say, there, there would be riots if they don't get in, if they're winning, if they're winning out, you know, and especially if they beat a good SMU team as well, comfortably. I think for me, you're you're right in the fact that since you need to win out, and need to win out big. But I think that the the win against Navy was it twenty seven ten. I mean, that's it's not a huge win, but it's a couple of scores and a kick. It's it's not as bad as it could have been. And I think this was a game that Desmond Ritter and the head coach's name is has escaped me right now. Thanks, boys. Thanks for jumping in. The Cincinnati head coach there, you've got me. We're all but blanking. There's the, I think the way Cincinnati are portraying themselves as a football team this season is we are consummate professionals and we are going about this the, the way that we want to, but the way that is best for the school. And I think perhaps that Navy game was a shock. And then in Cincinnati's next game, again, Jack, I don't know their schedule either. Whoever they face they may get absolutely shredded by a Bearcats team that wants to come back. And now they know they have to win the rest of the games and they have to win them by a significant margin. So it could too be late. a case that it could be... A, just, just jumping in too lame they've got uh, this weekend. 
Yeah, so we could well see Cincinnati slam Tulane, and then I think it's week nine they play SMU, George, right? If if that's uh, in front of you. No. Well, <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, as you can tell, we are like the Cincinnati of the podcast world, consummate professionals all the way through Russian Nation. Right, that's the AP rankings done. Where uh, do, do we see anybody before we move on, Jack? Do we see anyone beating Georgia? I know Jordan and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and they're just the best team in college football right now. It, when the final deal's done and the playoffs are set, do you think there's a team that could get into the playoffs that could challenge Georgia, or is this Georgia's to lose? Uh, I think both of those can be true. It's definitely Georgia's to lose at this stage. They, uh, you know, they've given up four touchdowns in total on, on the season, um, and they they do look formidable. I, I definitely don't see them losing any of the rest of their their regular season games. Uh, you've got the SEC championship game if that's up against Alabama. You just you're back Nick Saban to at least test that Georgia defense and and the offense is definitely Alabama's strength. Um, as a Buckeye fan, I'm going to say that our uh, offense can can test them too. Uh, I think Georgia will. Georgia are the opposite of the other big teams in that they are led by their defense and their offense does enough. The the rest of the big teams they're they're led by their offense and their defense does enough. So that's the kind of game that uh, I want to watch. I want to watch Georgia's defense against Alabama's offense, against Ohio State's offense, um, and the other way around. I want to see you know strength against strength and weakness against weakness. I think those make for for great games in the playoffs. But <laughs> Georgia are number one. Georgia are the best team in football right now. It's uh, it would be an upset for one of the other teams to knock them off. Not that that can't happen, but I wouldn't be expecting it. Yeah, I think the week one game against... The thing with Georgia for me is that we haven't had to see their offence decide or need to light it up yet. You know, their defence has controlled the game so well, whereas Alabama, we've had to see what their offence can do for them to get back into games. Like against Tennessee, they needed that fourth quarter, otherwise they were in trouble against the Vols. Whereas we haven't seen Georgia's offense yet. So whilst Georgia's defense, yes, is elite, Georgia's offense could be a little bit better than we're expecting as well. So until if Jordan uh, Jordan, if Jordan needs to turn up and play both halves, we can expect that from him. But if Georgia do as well, it could be it could be something else that we happen to see in the playoffs if a team challenges their defense and asks them to do stuff with the football. Because as you mentioned, the rest of them are predicated on offense, not defense. So if Georgia's offense can do stuff as well, it's it's it could be lights out football. Right, boys. Let's talk some quick, quick results from our respective divisions. George, we won't make you cover the SEC unless you want to dive into anything respective there. Let's talk some Big 12. No, Pac-12. Sorry. Pac-12. Forgot you were here for a second. Are there any of the results from the Pac-12 that you want to talk about specifically this week before we get to schedule for next week? Uh, I think obviously the big game, obviously the one that I put as the game of the week, the Oregon um, UCLA game was obviously Oregon got a big win. You know, there it was it to keep any kind of playoff aspirations, you know, like alive. Obviously, it's still highly unlikely and stuff. Obviously, they need things to fall their way, but it keeps them alive for, for going forward. But it were like, I don't, if if you get a chance to go watch the highlights of this game, the highlights will. will, will, will they're just brilliant as well. The last, I don't know if any of you guys saw it, the last, the fourth quarter was insane. 
It was just this is what I love about the Pac-12. I understand the Pac-12 football is the conference is not the best power <laughs> five. You get entertainment week in, week out, and it, like, and that was just thingy exactly like it. I think um, Oregon were up by um, seventeen. The um, UCLA scored a touchdown. Um, Oregon quarterback um, got intercepted. UCLA scored a touchdown. Oregon quarterback got intercepted. UCLA quarterback got intercepted. Game over. That was the fourth quarter. At the end of it, it was it was panic. And um, and just a, just a special mention. I'm going to gloss over Washington because somehow they just managed to beat uh, Arizona. Who haven't? I, I was gonna I was gonna bring that up if you didn't. weren't Washington like sixteen nothing down at halftime? Uh, thir- thirteen nothing. Thirteen nothing down at halftime. Yeah, 13, I, I, I almost messaged you and then thought, no, I shouldn't rub salt in that wound. That would be unfair. Hopefully, <laughs> I didn't stay up for it. I, I, I caught it in the morning. <laughs> I watched it repeat on ESPN. But yeah, I ain't got enough time to go into Washington and Jimmy Lake at the moment. Stuff we'd have to have a special <laughs> episode just for that. But so we'll, we'll gloss over that. Um, and just a special mention for Oregon State, who technically have still got a chance of. Um, the Pac-12 North Championship, you know, obviously the one win behind Oregon, both got um, one loss in the um, conference. So if both of them win out, it, it'll come down to the last game of, of the season, which would be Oregon, Oregon State. So obviously there are a lot of things have to go right for that, but it potentially could be a, a great game at the end if everything goes the way. They're playing some good football, um, Oregon State at the moment. What's the uh, what's the Oregon Oregon State game called? You've... Um, You've got me here now, and I'm I'm meant to be a Pac-12 champion. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, no, the, I think it's Utah BYU is the holy war, which I'm oh, not yeah. sure they're allowed to call that anymore. Maybe it's a civil war, something like that. Come on, George, type faster, rescue me here. <laughs> Gosh, I've got got it. Is it Oregon Classic or the state yeah. championship game or the civil war? Civil war. They're not that's probably not. They, they've they've changed that name now. They've changed that name for obvious reasons. Um, yeah, the Beavs look good. They look good. That that uh, We're going to call it the Civil War because we can and we're allowed to. The Civil War game at the end of the season, that could be electric with those uniforms on the last game of the season. So that could be something to look forward to. Jack, let's talk some some Big Ten. George, get ready because I'm going to ask you for some, for some Pac-12 insight to week nine. Jack, Big Ten, anything? Obviously, we've mentioned the Penn State ridiculousness of the overtime loss to Illinois. Anything else? From the rest of the Big Ten, you want to mention from Week Eight? Yeah, Big Ten, Big Ten teams can run the ball. Uh, you look at the the fixtures this week, and you can just look at the winners, and you can confirm to yourself that they ran the ball really well uh, on Saturday. Minnesota had their fourth and fifth hundred uh, yard rushers of the season. They can survive um, multiple massive injuries at, at running back in. Um, Ibrahim and Potts going down and they're still okay. Um, and they're actually, I think they're tied for first place in the, in the West after, so after starting with a, with a loss to a higher state and things looking, looking a bit down, they're, uh, they're on the up. So good on the golden gophers. Um, and uh, if any team needed to get back to basics, uh, it was Wisconsin. Uh, and they absolutely did. They completed five passes this week, <laughs> five, uh, which is probably exactly what Graham Mertz needs because he's been throwing picks left, right, and centre. Um, and he just just let Braylon Allen and uh, Shea Malusi take over, uh, and they they beat Purdue. Uh, obviously, Purdue were were ranked for the first time in a while, and uh, it's a shame that they've. They've dropped right out of the rankings because of that, but but this wasn't an upset. This was a, 
a good a good matchup in Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, got back to what they do best, and they they ran the ball and they they bullied Purdue on on offense. Yeah, you you uh, you mentioned it in your review this week as well. How it was basically business as usual for the teams that run the football. We are going to come back to you in a minute, Jack, for some Big Ten chat regarding Week Nine. George, do you need me to run through the ACC, or are you ready for some Pac-12 Week Nine chat? I'm ready for some Pac. If you, if no, no, if I don't. Your ACC. I don't want to take all the. Um, no, look, listen. Yeah. Apart from Pitt, the ACC is dreadful this year. We don't need to talk about it at all. If you are interested in ACC, the review will be up on the website hopefully tomorrow morning. Apologies if you are an ACC fan. I have missed a couple of weeks, but these five-yard college writers are keeping me on my toes. Rush Nation, they're keeping me busy, which I am enjoying. But the ACC review will be back this week. George, don't want to take up any more Pac-12 time. Let's do it. Where are you looking at this week for the Pac-12? Before um, I jump in at Pac-12, like, there is one thing on ACC that I did find out this week that I didn't actually know. I don't know if any of you guys know. Um, obviously, the big loads of talk about Kenny Pickett at the moment. Obviously, Pitt, I don't really follow much ACC because there's that much college football. It's so hard to follow every conference. But apparently, he wears two pairs of gloves because his hands are so small. I don't know if anyone knows. <laughs> if anyone, no, he doesn't. Honestly, that's what I've heard on the on the, on on uh, a fellow um, podcast. I think it was Cover Two. I think it was. Um, he wears two gloves because his hands are small. On both hands. On his throwing hand. Oh, don't tell the NFL scouts that. That's that's a death nail. That is absolutely Kenny Pickett done. Well, that's what I heard on this podcast. How big are these gloves? Like, what's he wearing? <laughs> like, the foam ones or something? I'm sure people in the comments when this comes out can let us know if, it, if it's true or not. But I just thought I'd throw it out there because I've, I've never heard that before. <laughs> so I thought it was quite interesting because he's playing some good football, apparently, as well. But I just thought I'd throw it out there just before I move on to Pac-12. That, that is it, it. That's blowing my mind. I'm going to have to look that up, and and I can't, I cannot believe. How do you get any touch from wearing two gloves? <laughs> well, Bill, I'm sure you'll let us know, stocks, if it if it is true. But and, and if respected pod that brought it up, so unless no. really, it's not April's, it's not April the first, is it? So <laughs> NFL balls are bigger as well. <laughs> this is arrow down for Kenny Pickett. I will on the ACC just mention that the Wake Forest Army game, which finished seventy fifty six was the second highest score in ACC history ever behind a game in 2019. I think it's it's in the review. It's coming. Okay, George, Pac-12, hit me. So looking at this week's schedule, the, the, the big game I think I'll probably put in my um, spoilers. Um, sorry for the, um, <laughs> the, the, the game. It's probably going to be um, UCLA, Utah, because it's a must win for both. If they, Obviously, they're both just behind Arizona State. Arizona State have got Washington State, who, like, obviously, we mentioned Wolovich going. He got, got them on a good run and obviously left. And they were unlucky against BYU. BYU probably ended up deserving the win, but it were, it were a close fought game. So, obviously, that's not a guaranteed Arizona State are going to win. But obviously, just say they do. UCLA need the win more. But Utah still need the win as well because obviously they can find themselves a couple of wins behind Arizona State going into the last last few games of the season. So, it's a, it's a big game for both. And, um, Obviously, Oregon have got. Um, I've, I've got to mention them because obviously the number seven ranked. So they've got. They, they, I'll be very surprised. Obviously, I'm probably going to eat my words if I can. You're going to put it all over Twitter if this, if this goes against it. But I'll be very surprised if Colorado get a win against Oregon because, as I mentioned in my week eight review, 
Colorado managed three offensive yards in the second half against Cal and about 102 in the first half. So I can't see them moving the ball much in Oregon and they should be able to go and um, get a, a, another win this weekend. And obviously USC have got a nice, should be a nice win against Arizona because they've struggled this year. But can Arizona upset the odds? Obviously USC have had a torrid time this year. Can Arizona get that win? Can they, can they get that win? They're looking for it. I think it's 18 games now. Can they get the win? Probably not, but I really hope they do. <laughs> there's some passionate Pac-12 chat there Jack you can shut that right down with some Big Ten stuff <laughs> yeah I think uh, there's there's two big games that we're looking forward to there's one game that I, I, I'm going to have to write up but I'm not going to suggest you watch um, if you want to watch offensive football do not tune in to Iowa Wisconsin because neither team can move the ball in the air at all and uh, I mean, it'll be fascinating to watch to see if Iowa can overcome Wisconsin and that defense. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tune into it. Uh, catch the highlights of that one. Um, you want to focus your time. You got uh, it's a big. I think it's the Fox's big noon kickoff. Is is Michigan State hosting Michigan? Um, and uh, it's gonna it's gonna mean so much. I think uh, Michigan State have the have all the highlight uh, wins in in recent times. I think everyone remembers the uh, the last second blocked or not even a blocked punt that somehow turned into a Michigan State touchdown. I think that was two thousand and seven. Uh, it was one of my earliest college football memories uh, of joy as a as an Ohio State fan. Um, <laughs> And uh, it'll be interesting to see how Michigan State measure up against Michigan. Uh, Michigan's running game is uh, is as, if not more, impressive than Michigan State's. The Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum are uh, a lethal one-two punch. Um, their their statistics for this season are uh, off the charts. And Michigan are known for running the ball, and they're known for playing good defense. So it'll be interesting to see how how the two sides um, match up. Uh, if the Spartans can can limit some of that running game and force uh, Cade McNamara or even JJ McCarthy to throw the ball, then I think uh, Michigan State's defense will, will be in a really good position to, to slow that down and, and maybe force some picks because they've not, Michigan Wolverines haven't shown anything through the air. Um, it's been lots of short short passes, and they've they've been able to rely on that run game. So I don't I don't know if Michigan State can force them to to go away from that, but it'll be a brilliant game, uh, and it's nice nice UK time, five o'clock uh, tea time game, and then uh, make sure you're setting your alarms and staying up for <laughs> Ohio State Penn State. Uh, I want to build it up as a closer game uh, on paper. It, it, as you say, it's not Ohio State uh, are looking looking really, really good in the last couple of weeks. Um, Penn State don't look like they can defend the run particularly well. And when you've got um, <laughs> Trevion Henderson, he's been a revelation since he came in. Uh, I mean, he's a true freshman. He is uh, on course to break Ohio State's true freshman record. Um, uh, I've put in my... Uh, in my review this week, I've mentioned him in the same breath as uh, Dobbins and Elliot and Archie Griffin. Not saying he is he is that player yet, but that's the kind of excitement levels around this guy. Um, and you know, if, if that's not working, uh, well, CJ Stroud can just 
toss the ball up to Chris Olave and uh, Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith and Jigba. You know, even Jeremy Ruckett got two touchdowns in the last game. It's a, it's a lethal offense. Um, mm-hmm. The thing I will say about Penn State is their defense is obviously their strength and they could cause some problems. And this is, uh, this is a, a rivalry game of sorts. This is, uh, there is no love lost between these two teams and uh, you never know what could happen on any given Saturday. Any given Saturday, nicely done, sir. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna press you here for well two things. One is going to be a nice segue into our final section, Jordan. So uh, unfortunately, we do have time to talk some showdown. So if you could get that up in front of you, because I can't right now, that would be great for you to run through us results and stuff. But first of all, Jack, Michigan game. Who, who do you think is going to win that one? Where where would you, as a neutral, I guess it's difficult to say neutral considering you are a Buckeyes fan, but as a neutral of that game, who do you think is going to win And uh, uh, when it comes down to it? I think at the end of the day, uh, that running running back duo that the Wolverines have will be enough for them to to get the win over over Michigan State. And the Spartans' defense isn't quite as good as as it has been in the last few years. Um, they're fun, but not quite as good on the ground. So I, if I was going to tip my hat one way, I'd, I'd go with the Wolverines because of that ground game. Marvellous. That's good news. How much work do you think Hassan Haskins is going to get? And I guess the next question to that is, do you think he's a viable starter in the showdown this week? <laughs> he's he's going to get a lot of work. Um, him and Coram are splitting carries pretty evenly, uh, but they're both getting a lot. Uh, I think they're both north of uh, 17 attempts each each game, 17 carries per game. And you just have to look at how many points they're racking up in fantasy to uh, check that out. I've got um, Coram on a, on a campus to Canton league, and he's pretty much my only bright spark in that uh, right now because I took uh, DJ at number one. So that's, uh, that's turned sour, but I picked up Coram off the waiver wire. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Yeah, no. Talking of waiver wire, can you believe Hassan Haskins was available on the waiver wire in the showdown? How has he just been? He's been there for weeks, and I haven't had space to add him, and I thought, I'm going to add him this week. Someone else will add him. Nobody added him. Managed to get uh, one of those two running backs on my roster as well, which I'm thoroughly, thoroughly pleased with. George, let's talk some showdown. How'd it go this week? Can I just mention there's a really big game in the Mountain West West as well if you knock it down at half two on Saturday. Um, yeah, I got my second lost in time. We know, we know who, where it came from. We know where it came from, don't we, Stocks? Yeah, we did. I mean, it, it was... Um, uh, to be fair, I thought it was going to be closer when the the Sooners were in a bit, bit of bother in the first half. I thought the pairing of Caleb Williams and Kennedy Brooks was going to was going to cause me issues and it was going to you know you've been scoring well we mentioned it when you came on last time that this was going to be a huge clash and after that Tom beat me so it wasn't as as big a deal as possible as, as it could have been and you were playing Jack that week and you only had one player because you had a thousand buys and it was um but yeah we were, Jack took a loss this week as well this isn't me rubbing it in I'm just just <laughs> really mentioning that Jack is that your first loss Jack yeah, first one. First one. Yeah, first one. How many did you lose last year? Not, not. I'm not. You know, apart from the final, <laughs> how many in the regular season did you lose last year? G? Just, just one or two, I think, last year. So he's got form, ladies and gentlemen. Jack has regular season form of losing only a couple. George, the results this week and the standings, if you will, sir. 
So, what would you like first? You like the standings? I'm guessing you'd like um, the results first, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think results first. Let's build some tension. So, obviously, we'll get that out of the way first. Obviously, I finished <laughs> with one seven six point nine, and obviously, stocks one nine two seven five. I would just like to point out as well. I left Kyron Williams on the bench, who scored thirty points. I, I, obviously, I just like to say I had quite a lot of injuries as well, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it was. I think you raced off to a really good lead, didn't you? Early on, you two quarterbacks. Obviously, I think one played Thursday night, and yeah, Tanner Mordecai played, played Thursday night, and raced off to a big lead. And I, I cut it back a bit, and it was just. I don't think any of our late players scored well late on, and no. it just stayed as it is really. So, yeah, it's. Um, like you said, it's not a mar- it's a marathon, not a sprint, and I'm feeling that right now. I need to get back of them legs churning and try and get some more wins. <laughs> and there was a low scoring game between Mur- Murph had 77 and he took the win against Shane with 72. Wow! <laughs> oh, that's an incredible win for Murph. <laughs> well played, Murph. There, he's. I, when I looked at his team, there was he's having a torrid time. The poor chap, Murph, is with players and stuff being out. We mentioned it last week, but yeah, not fun for him right now. Ash, Ash t- suffered another loss. He finished on one two two, and uh, Connor one four five. Obviously, like we mentioned, Jack just pipped by Rich Team Dynasty Island one six four nine one six three two. So, so uh, must be agonising. <laughs> <laughs> must be agonising. I'd hate to. I'd, 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 I'd rather lose like I did against you, Stocks than that. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I, genu- I genuinely think Jack that you should have a look to see if there is some sort of stat correction in the fan tracks website somewhere. Because I am a hundred percent sure you were winning by zero by point one five or something, and I, I mean it's not no, that you can you can you can't appeal it or anything. That's it's, that's yeah, what it is. But no one can navigate Fantrax's website that well. So. <laughs> <laughs> and the um, the last two results were Team Langley one four three lost to How to Dougie one five nine, and the high score of the week Tom as it was had, not had the best of times. Scored one nine five beat. Um, he beat Ollie Hodgkinson's um, 131. So, Tom with a high score of the week, 195 for Tom. And like I say, he's not had the best of times in the league, has he? But that's a that's a bright spark for him. But he's 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 sneaky in the standings, Tom. Like you th- when you hear and you think you've you've seen the back of him because he's taken a few hidings. I think he's mid table or sneaking around bottom of the playoffs. Good yeah, on. he's. Um, I'm just looking now. He's um, he's got back to four and four. I'm sure. Was he um, was he one and four? I would just imagine that he, he won his last three. He did start terribly. I think actually the win against me might have been the catalyst. You're so generous, Stocks. So generous. Oh, I'm, uh, you know, I like to keep my boys. Well, I say that, and that's not true. I wanted to beat George so bad. <laughs> yeah. So obviously at the top, Jack still stays at the top. Obviously, suffered his first loss, seven and one. Then the, even though I've got two losses, I'm still second, six and two. One win behind me now. Stocks five and three. And like I said. Uh, um, you've got Dennis and Rich on five and three, and Tom on fifth place on four and four. Both have won the last three, so they're climbing, they're, they're playing well at the right time. So we've got a they could sneak in. Like I've never played this like with um, f- um, fan tracks before. So it's good to know what, how many teams make the playoffs with this. Is it four? Or is it just the top two? It was uh, four last year. Oh. Yeah, it, it, it was four. Because I. Th- so team's still fighting for that thing. And obviously how to Dougie's four and four. Ash is still four and four. Team Langley four and four. Ollie Hodgkinson three and five. Shane three and five. Murph with that wins got moved up to two and six and Team Connor's <laughs> one and one and seven. So if it is the top four, it is quite close for the even for the fourth spot, you know, there's like only a couple yeah. of wins in it. So it's it's apart from like a, a, I don't know if you're listening, apologies, Connor. Apart from Connor, 
People have still got a chance, I think, to get into the top four. <laughs> sorry, Connor, sorry. No, I think he's far too busy with True North Fantasy right now to be listening to this. But I think it, there's so many teams that could push for that playoff right now. And it, it only takes a, a loss here or there and you could fall really quickly out of out of contention. I don't know, I don't even know how many weeks of the of the season fan tracks uses for its fact like how far off the playoffs are we? I feel like we could be we could be screaming towards the playoffs <laughs> without even knowing it. It could be I don't know. I'm not sure. This is the first year I've played it on the college football fantasy fan track, so I'm hoping you two can <laughs> let me know. Yeah. I know obviously we, the two finalists here as well, so next to the two finals. It looks like week week twelve is the first round of the playoffs. Okay. Okay. So I've got a few more weeks. So that's four weeks. Crikey, that's that's thirty percent of the games. We're nowhere near. Nowhere near. It's um. I, I tell you, Jack, have you ever played um college fantasy on Yahoo? No, never. Okay. It's a bajillion times better than Fantrax is, but for some reason they're just not doing it anymore, which is a real shame. But hopefully, fingers crossed, Sleeper can pull their finger out and and do a college one there because that would be that would be great considering everything else is run on Sleeper. Listen, boys, any final thoughts on week eight heading into week nine on the college football landscape as it as it lays, or do you think we've covered everything and it's time to to hit the tape? I'm not sure. Like, um, obviously. I'm not sure what Jack thinks, but I just I'm just loving this year. It's just like I don't obviously I me and you spoke stocks we were saying we were probably followed college football properly roughly about the same time for about uh, two or three years now, and obviously it's normally the same people. And obviously Alabama is still there, but I, I, I don't remember it being this crazy. You know, we like people getting beat each week, and stuff. I know you do get the shocks, but it just seems to be so many close games and like. It's just been really fun to watch this year, really. To be honest, obviously it probably helps with having crowds back as well. But it's been, it's been, I've just loved every minute of it. Every Saturday, just sitting down, even if I missed the first game, the half eight games, all the TV games have been so good for for the British, for, for us guys anyway over here. Because obviously we have limited limited teams we can watch games. Yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? You know, it's it's not normal service resumed now at this part of the season because it is still bananas and crazy, and as we love it. But the playoff picture is becoming clearer now. And it is the same sort of teams who are in there. When a couple of weeks ago, we would have thought this is there's going to be people in there that haven't been there for years or have never been there. So, Jack, yeah, I think George's completely right on that, isn't he? This season is is as good as any that I remember. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Seeing uh, if seeing Iowa and and Penn State up there was 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 great for the Big Ten and great, particularly Iowa. They've always been a good, strong team, but. To be ranked at number two and then um, cannon out the way they did was a disappointment. But that's exactly what we love to see: like big upset games, uh, seeing seeing some great play from from all aspects of the field in across college football. You've got um, yeah, you've got fun at every turn. And I think, like George said, we've been uh, treated well to the games that are on British TV this year. Um, bet certainly better than the last couple of years, in my opinion. We've had some, uh, we've had some good picks. Good picks. We certainly have, boys. I would just like to say thank you ever so much for coming on. We we had Jake, well, Ash had Jake on at the start of the season, and you guys are now on, and we are truly blessed. Uh, I, I know I speak on behalf of everyone at Five Yard, but for me personally, coming over to the college side, I'm truly blessed to have such a wonderful writing squad behind me. You guys are smashing it week in and week out, and now you're on the pod. It's just 
it's becoming its own little family here and i'm enjoying it thoroughly so thank you so much for your efforts lads appreciate it and jack thanks for coming on thanks for the first pod mate it's been good i can assume you will come back i haven't destroyed your podcasting dreams oh i've loved it i'll definitely be back if uh, if i was good enough absolutely you will definitely be back jord you may have capped out now as to your appearances for the Pac-12 this season. The off-season may await. No, I'm joking. Obviously, there's always room for you too, mate. Thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Obviously, there might not be much Pac-12 talk, talk down, the, <laughs> down the back end of the road, but I'm sure I can take on... I, I, I can support Cincinnati for a bit and take on the role of uh, Cooper 5. I, I mean, listen, Civil War, last game of the season. That's Pac-12 and that's right at the end of the season. So there is the window is always open for Pac-12, love. Unfortunately, Ash will be back next week, so that window will be slammed fairly shut until you are back, Jordan. Jack, appreciate you coming on. Jordan, you as always, my friend. But Rush Nation, that leaves me one final thing to say, and that is that is Saturdays are for rushing too. HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.